What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Candid Conversations. Me and my boy Jared are already talking, man. So we decided to just invite you guys in on the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> we decided to invite you guys get in on the conversation, man. But we was already having a really good com- a really good talk, and uh, we're gonna go through a couple subject matters. But recently, we was just talking about uh, rest uh, and how God calls people to different seasons of rest. How uh, some seasons of rest, you're just waiting uh, for God's move. Other seasons of rest, you're preparing uh, for warfare as a training ground for you. Other seasons of rest, you're getting things off of your life, getting things off of your plate. Um, and God has a different view for everybody. But I know you was talking about it. So, no, no, it was. Uh, yeah, it was. It was interesting because, like, I was, you know, just asking about, like, how Moses got married to an Ethiopian or a Mennonite, whatever her name was. Zippor. Zippor. Yeah. <laughs> You said whatever her name. I was going to say, like, yeah, it's just crazy, though, because it's like, you know, sometimes you, you don't see the altitude of what God is doing. Like, even now, like, even, like, being in ministry for so long, like, I know personally for me, like, like, what does rest look like, you know? And it's like, the way yeah. you described it was crazy because it's like, some days we're trying to fight to, like, spend time with God. And there's times I remember my season when I was working and I was doing ministry, I couldn't. Like like the the leader that I worked with wouldn't mm. allow me to have a quiet time with the Lord. Ah, uh, he's and trying to keep you busy, pretty busy, much. Busy, basically, like always being attentive to the kids. And it was like I used to, I remember getting mad about that. Like I was like, bro, I want to pray. Like I yeah. feel like this desire, the presence of God to pray. But it's like the moment I'm out that and I leave and I have the time to pray, I'm just like I don't even want to pray no more. Like yeah, that desire left. Yep. So I just like I, the reason I say this because I like how you said sometimes you want to move by how you're being led versus. Exactly. It's, it's, it's about how you being, how you're being led by God. Sure. It's not so much, it's not so much that you feel this is the right thing to do. And that's the mistake that a lot of people make when it comes to, uh, give me a second. That's the mistake that a lot of people make when it comes to seasons of rest and seasons of moves. Because like, for example, if you're going through a certain time to where God doesn't have you doing anything right doing this downtime, you feel just this inclination. I've heard people say this before. They were like, God, if I just had some downtime or isolation or time to myself, I would read, I would pray every day. I would just give you everything. Mm-hmm. And the reality is God may not be calling you to do that. <laughs> Your downtime may be time with family. It may be time with friends. It may be doing fun things, uh, things that are exciting, finding him in very creative ways. So, uh, because we think that we can only find God in like spiritual things. Mm-hmm. We don't realize like he expresses himself in the practical too as well. So those things could be practical during that time. God could be having you doing like the most obscene. I remember, and I, I know you had a question. No, go ahead, go ahead. But I remember it was one season that I had to where God, uh, it was a restful season for me. And I, of course I was doing ministry type stuff, but I, I wasn't like really into it. And I knew it was a season of isolation mm-hmm. for me. But dude, it was for like a couple months straight. God kept having me help to move people. Move them in how way? Like, just like move their houses. Like packing people bags up, packing the people furniture. Really, bro? This was happening left and right. Now I played football at the time, so people could always ask me to help them move stuff. But this consistently kept happening. Why it, do you think that happened, though? Well, at that time, I realized that it was building up a sense of discipline inside of me, that I actually needed it for the season that was to come after that. But I didn't know about it at the time. It, it was just like because I didn't want to do it, but I did it anyways. Because, like, it was a form of servitude, and it built up a sense of self-discipline. Mm-hmm. But it's it's those small things. And it's just one example, but it's those small things that God allows those little nuggets to come into your life. And it may not always look spiritual. 
but it's still good for you to do that. And but go ahead. I know you had a question. Oh no, I was letting you go, man. Now I was gonna say like you just I had a question. I know the question, but it's like I have a question for this question. If that okay, okay, sense. good. So I'll throw two in there. So right. prior to you saying like you know you're resting, what was some like like some things that you did and like other things that other believers can do that's considered fun? Because I know now you're talking about a lot of people are like Christians that get saved and like. Well, all I do is this. I go to church. There's no fun. Everybody's having partying, drinking, smoking. Yes. You know, they doing their thing. They're having fun. Like, as a believer, like, what are some, like, examples or, like, even for you and other believers that you would be considered fun? And then, like, my second mm, question was, yeah, like, well, this is not the first one. I'll get to the second one. Good. I'll, okay. I'll, I'll the, the interesting part about that is that that's for each and every believer to find out. To me, that question would have been so awkward when I was younger because... I had so much fun in my life because of my friends. Mm-hmm. Like, and just my day-by-day life was just fun, period. Because I was just fun in my own environment, you know? And it's still kind of like that, bro. Like, I could just be laughing just by myself, period. So, but it it was, it's when I kind of got older to where, like, you got to realize God takes you around certain mountains. It's not because you need to relearn something. It's because he's trying to teach you what you already know. Which means that in the past, I couldn't have explained what it looked like to be free in Christ. But I knew I had it. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't, I wouldn't walk around with like a guilty conscience about enjoying myself, but now I know what it looks like because I've kind of been through the rector in those areas. Mm-hmm. So it is more so for each believer to fine tune with God of what he allots for them to do. The struggle that believers have is that they feel that the only fulfillment and enjoyment that they can have is when it comes to carnal things. They don't know that there's so many more creative ways to enjoy themselves. And I think that because of that, they feel like they're in chains because they have they feel like they have to go through one extreme or the other. And the one thing I want to say, because I don't because it doesn't make sense to kind of go down certain things. But I will say this, the things that you enjoy mostly has to do with what's already in your heart. It's not so much about personality. You get where I'm coming from. So the things I enjoy now is very different than the stuff I enjoyed when I was younger. When I was like, you know, or like high school age college age like i i kind of like more violent movies like action films you feel me <laughs> yeah seriously though like i like action films i like the, the type of sci-fi type of film. scarface scarface now i wasn't fawning over this stuff but i i actually like this stuff it to me was very entertaining now not so much like i can watch them but like i'll be kind of cringing or i will be a little uncomfortable because it just sometimes it can be a little bit too violent <laughs> a little For bit sure. too much yeah but it's because internally i'm a different person so I enjoy stuff like Paul Blart. I know it sounds funny, but that's one of my favorite movies, Mall bro. Cop. Yeah, Paul Blart Mall Cop. Mm-hmm. I like more. It's odd, but it's like stuff I watch now, which I don't really even watch movies, period. But I'm saying if I was to watch something, it would be more simple because it will correlate with my, my personality in that moment. So you feel like the correlation of who you are to certain movies is going to actually... It depends be- on how you enjoy the things that you watch or the things that you engage with. So for me, it's Rush Hour. Like yes, see that yeah, exactly. Like, I'm a rush hour type of guy, bro. I love it. I love watching old movies, funny movies. You know, rush hour that different type of stuff. I literally just watched rush hour all three you, of them like a couple me, months ago. You, bro, that junk is fire, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it's fire, but you 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 have to realize that of what you enjoy correlates with your current preset, like what you have in your tank, okay. and so if you're a person that you enjoy like kind of carnal vowel music. It's like like very, you know, Val. And you're like, man, I don't know why I can't stop listening to this stuff. Yeah, Chief Keith Sosa. Sosa. That's a thing I don't like. (laughs) Nah, don't see that up here, bro. (laughs) You next level. But, you know, 
the 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 thing is when people enjoy those things they they feel very guilty and you don't want to think about it from like why am i listening to this you want to think about it what's in my heart that allows me to be attracted to these things that's deep that's the thing because remember he said so a man think it's in his heart so is he believers are fighting so hard to change their behavior then you change the heart yeah change the heart if you transform the mind the heart will follow don't even focus on the behavior the behavior in itself will follow so what are you saying so believers should change the heart or the mind first change both they're both the same change your spirit which means that you need to fill yourself up or change the way that you think transform your mind if you transform your mind your behavior will follow and i'll give you an example i was um I've been doing a lot of walking and like kind of like exercise lately, right? For the past couple months. Right. And I was like, you know, I asked God a couple months ago because like I've been just the past couple months, bro, it's been amazing. I've been feeling so motivated to do everything. Mm-hmm. You feel me? It's like unbelievable. Like I feel like an energizing bunny for the most part. But I was asking God, like, I was like, how do I feel motivated to do certain stuff? Like I don't care or to think about doing it. He says, change the heart, change the mind. So if you were to take a person, right? Let's say you don't care to exercise. You don't like, I don't care about lifting weights. But dude, if you was to watch a video of bodybuilders for three hours, just, bro, something inside of you would raise up to like, bro, I just want to go lift some weights. You literally just transformed your mind to accept a a world as your own. And you feel the motivation to do it. So you're saying whatever you allow to play in your heart or your mind, whatever you watch, whatever you feed yourself. Yes. You ultimately, your mind consciously. Build an appetite for it. So that's how believers can like overcome certain things. Exactly. That's what Jesus says. He says, oh, the scripture says, guard your heart guard your for out of it flows the issues of life. And it talks about the eyes. Remember how it's like, you know, the eyes, the, the lights of your life. Yes. Everything, everything that you do flows from your heart. So, so, so let me ask you a question. I'm going to give you an example. Yeah. Say if I want to, um, say if I want to be a sumo wrestler, how would I, how would I change my mind to get to that route? Bro, you would never feel motivated to be a sumo wrestler until you start watching people who sumo wrestle. You could watch a movie on sumo wrestling, watch TV shows on sumo wrestling. The more that you consume something, it starts to take on your character. It starts to become your behavior. So that's why God said to take care of Jesus' nature. Like, study him and let that be your nature. Yes, you're you're being transformed by the renewal of your mind. The Bible says we take on the mind of Christ. So, see, and this is the reason why believers, like, we, we struggle so much when it comes to godly attributes that we think that they're difficult to obtain, we don't realize it has more to do with our appetite. It's not so much that it's hard. It becomes hard because of our appetite, right? So if I'm consuming everything that's against Christ, how do I think that I'm going to want to serve him? <laughs> that's real. You go come from, think about it. Yeah. Cause it's funny you said it. Cause in my mind, what popped up is like, you know, for me, it's like, like if you're trying to lose weight and you consistently eating chicken Alfredo, yes, you don't want no vegetables. But you ever noticed that like whenever your body, because it's like didn't they say like in your body builds new habits in like two three weeks? Yes. So it's like if you start eating healthy, it might suck a couple of days. Yeah. But over time, your body's like, huh? It's adjusting itself. Adjusting itself, like the behavior is starting to change. Mm, it's adjusting itself. I think you can adjust it. Oh, it's yeah. adjusting itself. Yeah. Okay. Um. But um. Yes. You exactly. It's, it's called. The idea behind it is psychological psychological reconditioning. Mm-hmm. And you can recondition your mind to accept anything. Uh, most people don't realize that. But the issue is that's bad and good. Mm-hmm. That's the reason why I get scary. Because, because, listen, when Satan attacks a believer, he doesn't just come and tempt him with sin. 
he can't do that. It won't work. So he realizes, like, I have to change this person's mind first. Oh, God. Which means I have to get them to accept or to believe that whatever I'm offering them is good, is true, or is justifiable. So he starts psychologically reconditioning them. He will put them before people. He'll put them before sources. He'll put them before all of this stuff to convince them that this world is real or to convince them that these things are okay, right? The moment that that person accepts that ideology or that theology or they take it on into their heart, take it on into themselves, when he brings the temptation, it's easy for them to accept it because for them, they've already accepted this to be okay. So basically you're saying the way the enemy comes it's not straightly. It's it's kind of like he's beating around the bushes. He's like planting seeds, planting seeds, yes. certain things until you accept whatever it is. Yes. He's, so let's like, say this is for like pornography. How does an individual that struggles with that? Mm-hmm. We don't talk about this in the church, and we start need to start talking about stuff. Like no, that. no, I agree. I agree. It's be the it's psychological reconditioning. Okay. You have to first convince a person that something is okay or something is acceptable. The moment that you tear down the the moral walls or the barriers to convince them of something, then when you tempt them with it, it's easy. You get them coming from. So, like for an example, but let's just say alcoholism, pornography, anything. It don't matter what it is. Anything, anything that could be a temptation to a person, you have to first plant the theology first. You can't just come in and convince people to do something. So it's like, and it's the same way with God. That's why he says faith comes by hearing. By what? Hearing by the word of God. The word comes to preach. It's to convince you of a reality that God is real and this is who he is. Mm-hmm. The moment that the gospel comes the is comes. the power unto salvation. So you receive the gospel because of the revealed revelation of who God is. So, but if somebody hears the gospel, but then they is like, who is Jesus Christ or who's God? Like who's, that gospel won't make sense to them. So it has to have a foundation that is built upon. Mm-hmm. So this is how the enemy attacks believers or attacks people, period. You have to first psychologically recondition people. So I'm going to give you an example in our society. And I'm not knocking um, because I don't believe in like kind of gay bashing and different type of stuff. I have a very different mindset about it now. Okay. But in our society, and I'm not saying it's not wrong. I'm just saying I have a different mindset about how I would approach those situations. But For sure. in our society, wait years ago, they made up in their mind that we had to psychologically recondition people to believe that something was okay. Mm-hmm. The way that you do that is get them to see the same thing over and over again. So you have to show them, they have to see same-sex people kissing all the time. To society accept it. Yeah, but see, the thing is, at the time, it's it's desensitization. People don't know it's wrong. They become desensitized to it, and it becomes so normal to them that they begin to see, oh, it's just, it's no big deal. So now you can walk up the street, see this stuff, and it don't even register to you or bother you at all because you're so used to seeing it. But back in the day, it would have been very awkward. You would have got stoned in certain places. Well, yeah, you would have got stoned. <laughs> I don't know in America you would have got stoned, but you, you nah, would, there's some places in Africa if you do that, like yeah, people would have treated you a certain way. I don't agree with the treatment of stuff, but me neither. The, the main the main point is that with anything, <laughs> bro, what's what's up with you, bro? Oh my goodness! But no, I don't. I don't agree with the treatment of certain stuff. But there is a sense of you have to convince people of a reality first, and that is one of the ways. Bro, you funny, bro. Oh my goodness! <laughs> Just go to get it out, dog. <laughs> 
Go ahead, bro. <laughs> Go ahead, get it out, bro. No, I just, you know. My mind, my mind works a certain way. I, I know, I see. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean, bro. But, um, you know, um, that is that is the thing that, like, I would say for myself, right, there were certain things in times of my life to where, like, my mind thought a certain way, and I didn't really understand why, like, I was adept to accept certain things. Right. But then I had to look at my appetite. I was looking at what I was watching and what I was listening to. And I was like, all of what I see now is the fruit of what I'm planting to myself. So I have to change what I'm planting to myself. It's not hard. It's very difficult to change your behavior, but it's not hard to change your appetite. You get what I'm coming from? You change the heart, you change the motives. Yeah, yes, you have to change the appetite. Everything else after that will follow. So the the believer is really trying to chop down the tree. No, no, go to the root. That's a, that's. That's, that's so good. But see, that's what makes overcoming sin much easier than what you realize. So if you stop fighting the outside battle, say, bro, I'm not even going to focus on this. This is external stuff. I'm not focused on this. If I fail at this or if I fall at that, there's forgiveness and grace for me. I'm going to keep moving forward. Mm-hmm. But what I'm doing is I'm reconditioning my the way of thinking. I'm reconditioning my heart, my mind, day by day. So putting. So let me ask you a question. So changing your perspective, right? So it's like. I see the I see the the fruits of whatever I'm struggling with, right? Mm-hmm. So the believer has to re, re, not I'll say renew their mind, but in a way where it's like it's 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 actually producing something better. Yes, eventually it will grow into fruit. It's it's a day by day thing. So the the reason why a believer may struggle with certain addictions, and I'm gonna just keep it general because I don't want to assume that everybody deals with the same stuff. For sure, everybody deals with issues. Anytime. Different things, yeah. yeah. But when a believer struggles with addiction, they feel very guilty because they don't feel like there's any grace for them. Mm -hmm. Right. So they continue to beat themselves up. But then they start trying to stop something off of brute strength. Can't do it. Yeah. So they'll seek prayer. They'll seek deliverance. They'll seek all of this different type of stuff. And you could be delivered from something like the chains could be broken. But your body still remembers those habits. So your body also has to build new habits for itself. Is it just because how the body is just the natural body chemistry, how it's wired? Like your brain is wired to take on habits that you create, whether it's good or bad, it takes them on. So for for a believer, you sh- don't focus so much on like trying to stop the behavior. Mm-hmm. It's not about fighting the flesh. You you, you crucify, you don't fight it. And the, the one way to put it is if you focus day by day, I'm going to keep feeding myself good stuff. I'm going to keep feeding my mind good appetites, healthy appetites, clean things. When you do that, it starts to change the behavior in your hands. You can look two months down the line or a month down the line. You're like, bro, I don't even want to do that no more. Why? Because your mind has changed. It's transformed. So the desire in itself leaves because you fed yourself the right food mm. to get to that point. So you want your you want yourself to get to a point to where abstaining from things is effortless, not a fight or a battle. It's still a fight or a battle is because the mind and the heart hasn't been transformed. That's all. To transform the mind and we'll see victory in our lives. Yes. If the mind is out of the heart flows the issues of life. So what do you have to do? Change the heart. You hear that, people? Change the heart. Change the mind. Transform it. Yes. Transform it. The best way to transform it is through God's word. But one of the greatest ways of transformation, what we, I don't think we always notice this, is called reciprocation. Mm-hmm. Which means that you have to take the complete opposite of what you're dealing with and flip it the other direction. Which means that if I have a lot of fearful thoughts, right, I need to start forcing myself to think about love. I need to force myself to think about compassion. 
I need to force myself to think about bravery and courage, all those things. I need to watch people doing courageous stuff, watch people being brave, watch people being loving. I, I was one night when I was laying down in bed, I just pulled up videos of acts of kindness. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't really watch this stuff. I don't care for this type of stuff, but I, I was feeling like in my heart, I wasn't really feeling at rest. Like I wanted my heart to feel love. Right. So I started watching acts of kindness. I was watching, I was uh, crying watching some of this stuff, but I wanted to condition my heart to be kind, to be gentle. So I fed myself the things that I wanted to see in my life. You get what I'm coming from? So mm-hmm. it's about your appetite. If you change your appetite, you'll see. And that's the reason why, like, we don't know why we deal with certain stuff, but it's just because we're not looking at our appetite. If you look at what you feed yourself, bro, like, if you get fat, don't think that it was because you was eating fruits and vegetables. It's impossible. It's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. It's true. If you get fat, it's because, bro, you was eating potato chips and... Debbie cakes. But if you switch the behavior, which is the food. Fried shape. Yes. You switch your food up. The weight in itself will follow. So if you're trying to exercise to lose weight, but yet you have a bad diet, it's it's going to keep canceling itself out. You'll never lose weight. <laughs> no, nah, that's real. That's you just real. put back on what you ate. It's yeah. just going to go right back. So what you have to do is, is that if you were to just eat fruits and vegetables, just a very healthy and clean diet, your body weight and chemistry will completely shift and drop down. But then not only that, if you added in exercise, it will maximize it to its maximum capabilities. So it's about shifting and changing the foundation. That's good. So focus on the foundation. And I like it, too, because, like, even the spiritual component, you you know, you change how you view certain things, it'll change your whole perspective. Exactly. Because it's, like, it's funny because it's, like, even for me, like, as a believer, like, I know personally, like, getting in God's presence, that's something that God has shown me. Yep. That's a lot of times that, like, allows a lot of things to fall off. Because you're getting so in love and you the tangible love of God and the presence of God. Yep. Naturally, you know what I'm saying? It's just like that atmosphere changes, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. Because two things can't exist in his presence. That's like they darkness, there's no shadow of darkness with him. So the moment you come before God, everything that's not like him has to leave. That's so good. So it's addictions, whatever. Exactly. It has to leave. But the thing is, we only experience like certain a certain level of his presence. Mm-hmm. Because God doesn't reveal the full brunt of himself to us. We would be dead. Yes. you you. Not only would you be dead, but you'd be terrified of him. Like, you'd be terrified of him. I had um, experience for a couple weeks, actually, to where I had, I was in, like, I was in the spirit, like, every single day, right? And I was before God, often, like, in heavenly places. It was one of the most terrifying experiences ever. Because I was naked. And bear. And I literally thought I was going to die. And I kept saying, bro, just get me out of here. <laughs> <laughs> get me out of here, God. Because I had, bro, I, was, I had read my Bible and prayed so much that, like, my spirit was like, like, it was, uh like, it was just around angels and stuff all the time. But then there was parts of me that was, like, not good. And everything was naked before him. You can't hide nothing from him. People don't realize that. Nothing. is like, Everything, when you come before him, it's like your whole... Life opens up like a book, and he can see everything. All the little scrubs, and bro. All. You can he can see the intentions of your heart. Even like when you think a thought, you don't realize that God sees the thought before you even think it. So it's like the the like for me, for example, it was happening to a point to where like I was being like I, I was feeling judgments just off of thoughts that I didn't even think yet. It's like they was rising up in my heart. I kept trying to push them down. I was trying to hold myself like before him, and it wouldn't work. And 
I was just crying and weeping. I'm like, man, just get me away from here, bro. I said, I don't want this. <laughs> I don't That's want this. scary, bro. Because I was praying. I was praying day by day. I wanted to be in God's presence. I wanted to see him. I wanted to, to, to just be close to him. It, after these experiences, I realized why he kept us at a distance. It's for our own good. Because mm, he has to judge. Yes, he has to judge. But the faith and grace covers you through Jesus Christ. But mm -hmm. this, he was allowing me to experience it personally mm -hmm. because, and I asked God, I said, why did you allow me to experience all of this? Because anytime my heart, cause we don't realize how much we sin day by day. Mm -hmm. Your nature is an offense to him. It's not just stuff you do. Your nature, like yourself is an offensive. So just you be before him in your own flesh. It is, it, it's, it's hostility between the two. And it's like, we got beef. Exactly. But he doesn't have beef with you. You have beef with him. Really? Yes. It says the carnal flesh is hostile towards God. It hates God because it does. It wants to do the opposite of God. Yes, it's hostile towards him. Like I remember when I had when I was in certain like when I was coming before him in certain things that my flesh would just completely just go off the Richter any time I went into a place of prayer. It was hostile against him. I didn't understand what was going on, but it was completely fighting against him and everything. And I'm like, I want to worship you and serve you, Lord. But then I realized that because he was allowing me to see what it looked like to be live and binded under the law. Mm. And he also did this so I could have a healthy fear of him, reverence of him. So when there was a, there was one occasion to where like my flesh was just like like just warring against him. I just wanted to pray and read. But I was always in the spirit. And I can't like take myself out. Mm -hmm. Right. And I was, I just wanted to pray and read and spend time with him. And bro, I started hearing and seeing thunders, lightnings, like bro, like you have never seen the whole sky was lighting up. Mm -hmm. It was the most terrifying thing I had ever experienced. And I could, there was no way to escape it. And I was like, bro, like, I was like, I know that this is just a figment of what, because, you know, the Bible says it's a terrible thing to fall On into the, the hands. hands of God. Yes. Doesn't it talk about the people try to hide under the rocks? and revolution? Bro, you can't get away. It's impossible. <laughs> I tried to escape, bro. I was trying to go to the other room. It wouldn't work. But I knew it was for my good, too, as well, because he needed to humble me. So, and, and the thing was, if God humbles you, nobody else can do it. You don't need other people to do it. <laughs> you feel me? Yeah. So Satan was trying to send people to reproach you, to humble you. But dude, if you come before him and you experience that, what can they do to you? That's worse than that. That's true. No, <laughs> it's no, nothing. That's true. You it completely removes your fear of man. You're no longer afraid of people at all. Because you see like, yo, he can kill you if he wanted to. Mm -hmm. But he's graceful. He allows you to live. So I know in this situation... It was to give a healthy reverence and fear. Mm -hmm. And I, rem I I was referred back to Egypt, right? God wanted to walk with the Israelites. Remember, they kept asking to see him. Right. Because he was following them with a cloud and with a flame of fire. Imagine seeing that, bro. Yes, they kept wanting to see him. Um, oh, it's on the front part. Go ahead. But, uh... <laughs> You got it. Yeah. They kept they kept wanting to see him. The uh so God comes at the mountain and he had he tells them, he says, uh, he says, get everybody ready. I'm gonna show myself to them. He shows himself, but he shows himself in fires and thunderings and these loud bangs and all this different type of stuff. 
Like it was so terrifying and fearful that people wanted to just get away. And they said, get him away from us. We can't handle this. We can't take this. But you notice he didn't talk to Moses like that. <laughs> that is good accusation. Well, not accusation, but good. Yeah. Like, why is that though? He said it in scripture. He said he did this so that they would fear him because they didn't have a healthy reverence of him. Uh... So he did it so they would know like he is God. Like there's no way that anybody could do something like this. It was, it was a, it was a show to make them fear, but it wasn't even the full brunt of himself. It was just to, to shock them so they could see like, whoa, God is really with us and he's terrifying. But what happened was he also set it up so that they don't try to come before him. He only wanted to talk to Moses and then have Moses talk to them. Why is it the fact that he just wanted Moses? Is there a reason for it? Because Moses is the only one who could stand before him without dying. Notice he said Moses was meek, more meek than anybody in the earth. So he talked to Moses as a friend. Moses saw his form. And Moses was able to walk in the cloud. But if anybody else came to the foot of the mountain, mm-hmm. they would have died. They would have so really, dropped dead. In another way, God was just protecting the Israelites. From he was protecting them from himself. And he used that route. He used that route. If you but what was it about Moses for him to like, was it just because he was chosen for that? Like, was that the... It's because it's, it's he was chosen, but God specifically said because Moses was meek. Because pride, you can't come before God with pride or arrogance. Like you, if in the pride, arrogance... Sin, all that different type of stuff. Now, this is in the Old Testament. It's different now. Well, Christ, yeah. Yeah, see, Christ covers us so we can come boldly before him. We don't have that level of fear. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Mm-hmm. And if we do have fear, it's because we haven't been perfected in his love. Right? But he was showing them this in the Old Testament to show them the peak of what his wrath looked like before their sin and before themselves. Mm-hmm. If you remember one story, and this story still shocks me to this day, Moses they were uh, him and the uh, the Levites, the priests. It was only a couple of Aaron's sons. They were before the, I think it was the Ark of the Covenant. And it was like the Holies of Holies or one of the rooms. And God came down in like a, a smoke of fire. Mm-hmm. And he appeared to them. So they saw him and Moses saw him too as well. But they were like terrified. And one of Aaron's son, something happened in his heart or his incense or something that he was burning. Like it was off just a little bit in his heart. And he dropped dead like God consumed him. He literally dropped dead right there on the spot. Just because it was that little bit. Yes, but notice what Moses said to Aaron. Moses, he said, don't get mad at God. He said, yes, he said, hold your peace. He was telling Aaron to hold his heart, which means that you can't judge him. <laughs> so Aaron, God, basically. Aaron literally watched his son die right in front of him. And he had to hold himself and keep his heart from being hostile towards God. Because if you notice the Israelites, there was one occasion to where God was judging them and he was judging them for the sin that they had did the people revolted and got hostile and started trying to fight and attack god how that works out <laughs> that don't work out too well <laughs> <You're gonna lose. laughs> my thing is what did they do was it just the idols the calf worships and stuff no no this was an actual revolt against him like when he no, had, so like what did what were like what were they doing that like caused god to like i don't rem- i don't remember the exact scenario but i knew it was like a all-out like they wanted to just fight and rebel against him because they saw him kill people, but then they started to judge him in his goodness and his justice. So then they got hostile towards him and tried to fight him. And like I said, it don't work out too well. Yeah. Staying away, guys. But see, yeah. this is the reason why the gospel is called the good news. Because you really don't know that you can't be before him. That's what makes you appreciate what Jesus did all the more. And people don't realize how graceful God is because there's a lot of people that blaspheme God attack him, do all different types of stuff towards him. Unbelief, which is an attack towards God. It's not just saying, 
it's not doubt. It's not saying I just doubt. No, unbelief is saying you cannot do something. It's challenging him. Oh, so Ooh, oui. it's 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 these things that when you realize it, and I know a lot of stuff that I experienced with him, it was to give me a healthy reverence and fear. If I made one mistake in certain areas, he would judge me for it. Now he didn't do that for everybody else, but he did it for me. Mm-hmm. But it was because of certain things that he had given me, put in my life, preparing me for. It. So I couldn't just do everything that everybody was doing. It's because your purpose. Yeah, purpose too. But he was trying to teach me to have a healthy reverence and fear of him. Mm-hmm. So I know for for me, like I told you, those experiences with me, they were so terrifying that because you know I was like, man, I want to walk in the supernatural. And who I, don't? But you know, then everybody want to do that. But it's yeah, like you don't understand what you get. Through. You you don't really know no. sometimes what you're asking for. Then after that happened, I was like, I don't want to walk in the supernatural. Not in this way. I was like, it's not sustainable. I mean, you'll probably be tripped out. Like a lot of people want to see angels, and sometimes these angels might have four eyes. They like yeah, this, that's the. Th- <laughs> oh, what is this? God is that an angel? You know the thing that's funny though is because people don't realize that this world is an offspring from it's the heavens. Yes, it's not primary, so it's a secondary. It's secondary. Yes, so things in spirit actually looks more real than things here on earth. You that's just don't. Crazy. Yeah, it looks more real. So. Like to us, I'm not. I'm not trying to go off the deep end. I'm just trying to be as frank as possible. Frank, yeah, just it's okay. You know how you look at a cartoon, it looks fake. Or Somebody you, created a cartoon. They drew the characters. It looks fake. Yeah. But to the if it, if the cartoon characters saw themselves in their own world, they would assume that they was the real world, right? It's real. I'm just giving an idea. It's the same thing spiritually. We assume that we are the peak of like Humanity. heavenly existence, right? Well, no, you're not. You're an offspring from the unseen. The unseen world looks more real than the seen world. Because that's where the creator makes it. Yeah. Yes, because every this thing started from there and came down here. It wasn't the other way around. So okay. this is why God says when he says he looks at the, the hidden beauty of the heart with a white, with a woman, right? Mm-hmm. We keep thinking that people look how they do in the flesh. So you can see an attractive woman or attractive man, and to you, they look attractive. Right. But God don't see them that way. He mm-hmm. sees their actual self. Spiritually, your appearance is based off of your character, not your body frame or figure. It's your heart and your character. Yes. See, a person who has, I seen this and it was the most terrifying thing. You see somebody in the flesh, they're attractive, but spiritually they look like, like a monster, like Respucia or something. <laughs> Jake is crazy. <laughs> you married Respucia? That's to God, bro. To, to, and spiritually, they're very ugly, very unattractive, but in the flesh, they look like normal people. Yeah. Like they'd be supermodels or something. But in the spirit, if you saw like if some guys or some women saw like the type of people that they was chasing afterwards, like I just want this person to be my wife. I want to be with this person. They look so attractive and they look so such and such. Dude, you don't, if you saw what that person looked like spiritually, you will run in the other direction. They look like a demon sometimes, bro. Mm. It's the most terrifying thing. And it's funny though, because like, I feel like it's a curse and a blessing to be gorgeous. And I'll be honest, I'm gonna say why. <laughs> you said you said that is you just hot stuff, bro. I'm just acting like you speaking from personal experience. I, I'm just saying, because <laughs> think about it. Yeah, if a girl is bad, right? Let's just be honest, we men, right? And I can't speak for like everybody, but I know if a girl looks bad, she gets all the attention. Vanity can start to flutter out. Okay, pride can come out of that because they feel like they can get anybody attention. Yeah, they're more optimal to choose who they want to mess with and stuff like that. And yeah. so, like, it can really affect their ego and their heart, and that pride can come in. Because if yeah. you, if you, if you grew, let, you ever see the situation? This is where I've seen it. I've talked to many girls who were once ugly, and they kind of bloomed, right? Yeah. And like, they always say they they've always been humbled. 
in the process because they knew what it felt like to to be, I guess, away. ugly or unattractive. Yeah. yeah. So like they're they're more acceptable to certain guys. Mm. But if you've always looked good and always people giving you compliments, sometimes that pride can come out. You know, pride comes before the fall. Yeah. And so like it can build that, you know, that vanity and stuff. And like you always look in the mirror. And some people insecurities like yeah. I think insecurities is sin. If I'm not correct, if I'm wrong, no, no, I, I don't think it's no, a it's, sin, it's, but it's natural. It's natural, it's natural for like, people. To, insecurities is usually based off of comparisons. That's all. Well, I'll say this. Yeah. When I was watching IG, I remember seeing this person. I'm not gonna say their names. It was a okay. person on IG. It was like a blue check, whatever. I knew that person from my school. Okay. And I remember seeing this individual at the cafeteria, look one of the most depressed individual. Mm. And it was funny because like everyone showed love on IG. Like IG is actually like a false reality it's literally oh yeah you know what I'm saying like all these IG supermodels yes. deep down bro like I honestly really feel like most of these people are very depressed they, yeah, they put this the whole part. glow on IG looking good wow. glamorous and this is just like you know I, I always tell people I could be wrong but like from my own perspective when I seen it I realized bro like stuff on social media media like like it's all a cover up man for the most part yeah it, and that's the one thing that um, I think people have to understand that first of all, I'm gonna get to say this first point. When you're spiritually minded, for sure, people don't look attractive to you that should be attractive to everybody else. Mm-hmm. Like when your mind takes on the mind of the spirit, like a person who everybody will be fawning over to you, they will look ugly. But it's because you see them through the eyes of the spirit, so you can see like they don't look attractive at all. They don't just don't. But mm-hmm. it's because you see through their character. You see the heart. They have a very bad attitude very raunchy nasty Mm-mm. mean angry don't need that you know <laughs> dirty mouths different type of stuff and i'm not judging you but i'm just being frank yeah. like like people they like they may phone over a certain type of woman but the woman is like angry and bitter you feel me bruh spiritually if you saw her through the spirit you would run this is what proverbs 7 is talking about I've seen that. Just if you read the proverbs chapter say it talks about the the woman says beauty mm-hmm. and charm is deceitful it even talks about a beautiful woman. It talks about like trying to um, a one who lacks wisdom. It's like a um, I think it's like a ornament or, or a ring in a pig's snout and a pig's nose. Mm-hmm. They said it actually looks like a pig, like an animal. So your character is much more important when it comes to attractiveness. It just it, it's only that way to spiritually minded people. For sure. If you're mm-hmm. a carnally minded person, people only care about what the your flesh, flesh look like. They mm-hmm. don't care about what your spirit look like. So. But when it comes to people being depressed, I think there's a um, interesting mindset about this. The most reason why people are depressed in that type of realm is because they don't see that the lack of their uh, internal peace is the reason why they're searching for water. Mm-hmm. But they get a thousand likes and a thousand comments, but none of them is ever enough. They're always searching for more. They're always wanting more validation. They want more people to like them, more people to approve of them. They don't necessarily realize that there's an internal thirst that they're trying to quench. And Jesus tells the woman this who has five husbands. He says that the reason why you was with these men is because you was thirsty. Mm. And he Mm. said, if you drink from my water, you'll never thirst again. So thirsty in the sense. So she had five. She was knocking five dudes at the same time. Don't say it that way. But (laughs) (laughs) yes, bro. (laughs) So she went to A, B, C, D. Like she, she. No, it's it's not like that. I think she was just she she just. Or we talking about five? Like she had five side pieces. No, bro. Why you gotta say it that way? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> no, it's it's not that, bro. She's just she was a lady who dealt with a lot of hurt insecurities and she was depressed or she probably lacked something from her childhood. It caused her to move around a bit throughout life. So it's not talking about like she's just sleeping around a bunch of men. He wasn't speaking about her as if she was a prostitute. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. He was speaking about her as a because back then a woman was bound to one man. She had five. So she she had five people that she was giving herself to. But it's not like all at the same time. But even in that, it's irrelevant. What he was just saying was is that she was thirsty. And this is for men too. <laughs> Seriously. He said, you, you're thirsty. and what throat parts. He said, if you drink from me, your throat parts, bro. He said, if you drink from me, you'll never thirst again. Amen. Now, most of us struggle. Like, we don't understand what thirst looks like. But the, the scripture shows you that God's water, that God's word, when it comes inside of you, and it builds up in faith. It's like a spring of living water that bubbles up inside of you. That's how it satisfies your thirst. God's word. His word, his way, anything that is good, that is holy, that is pure, it quenches thirst. Mm -hmm. The more that you feed on these things, you have to eat them like it's food. Because it's not going to taste good at first. It's not, it doesn't taste good at first. You don't like those things when you're a carnal person. So they don't taste good. Because to you, it lacks vibrancy. It lacks life because you like death. <laughs> you love death. You know, it's funny. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Do you feel like a lot of these things that we are craving is because of how we grew up? Like, for instance, I'm, I'm going to say an example. A lot of times, like, if you don't have, like, a Christian household or if you're just living life and you let wherever you're from, the people that you surround yourself, because you were less, was, like, you're just unfound to it. Like, say you wake up and you're, like, you were born in a, in a place that was, like, unfortunate right yes um the music you listen to the people the, the language the culture itself do you feel like it grows you and molds you to what the world has and mm. so like sometimes we go to college because we didn't have a christian household we like certain things because of what society has taught us and what the world has and taught what's us. already planted inside of you absolutely absolutely okay i actually i wondered about this because one day i was uh doing my, one of my prayer walks i just started crying bro mm -hmm. because i was asking god i'm like man why can't people just be perfect and I'm mostly speaking to myself. Mm -hmm. I, I was looking at my life and I saw like all of my just struggles throughout life. It may be stuff that people had never seen before, but mm -hmm. I know I try to be very frank and honest with God about the things that I deal with. Because it doesn't make sense a lot to him. He already knows everything. Right. <laughs> you feel me? So, but I was like, man, why can't I just be perfect? Mm -hmm. I would have loved to just have known a different way to think, to process even when I think about certain stuff I may have said to somebody in high school, like sometimes it'll pop back up in my mind. I'm like, bro, why did you say that? <laughs> I've had moments like that too. Like, yeah, man, it's like you I look, cool. you look back, but you, at the time you don't know it at the time you assume that it's okay. But I think that that's the reason why God, if the way that Paul puts it in Romans is that he has given us all a reason to be humble because he shows us ourselves that none of us are good before him. He's the only one that's actually good. And if a person thinks them good themselves good, all God needs to do is put them through a little season to show them. Well, I already know God. I ain't. I'm the worst. <laughs> I'll take that crown. You just need some time for him to show you. He can show you that. I don't think you would want him to show you yeah, that. Yeah, I'm good on that. But that's why it's best to be humble. Stay humble. But in that in that type of approach, I wish, like, I was wondering, I'm like, man, I wish everything was just perfect. That it was good. But the Lord helped me. And we talked about this several times. The Lord helped me to understand the reason why that he doesn't do that is because you couldn't appreciate his goodness. Mm -hmm. You would never appreciate heaven. None of it. You wouldn't. That's why he says 
one of the things it says about heaven, it says he will wipe away every tear from every eye. There'll be no more pain, no more suffering. The reason why that statement carries weight is because you had pain. You suffered and you cried. And you know what it feels like to hurt. So it's like, man, I'm going to a place to where I no longer have to experience the atrocities of this life. I hate this life. That's what people be saying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this life is beautiful, but there are things about it that can be very daunting and scary, scary to deal with. Yeah. So like, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you're right. I mean, just like, man, like people that get bullied, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that I met that that thought process is scary in itself, bro. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, dang, oh, yeah. bodies and the way worth and. I, I'm be honest with you, bro. I don't even look into that stuff. Um, I, yeah, pr- I prefer Jesus. Yeah. No, but the reason why I don't though, I'm talking about anything. I don't even care about cults, societies, nothing like that. But the reason why I don't do that, and this is actually a good point to talk about. For sure. I segue away from like just thinking so much about what this world is doing because I was missing out on all the beautiful things that God had to offer about it. And when the scripture says, think of all things that are pure, that are holy, that are worthy of praise, that are righteous. Even Paul says, it's just even a shame to talk about what people do in secret. Um, believers do your life would be so much more joyful if you focused on God's goodness and what he has to offer to this world. But do you because, ever feel like, like we still have to have that sense of like knowing what's going on in the world? I don't think it's bad to know, but I, don't, I think it's bad to search for. Okay. It's a difference. If information comes my way, I have to process it and deal with it. I can't sure. be callous towards it, but I'm not going to be a person searching for the evil that people are doing. Yeah. You feel me? Because there's so much more beauty around me that I could be focusing on because I, you be honest with you, I like the beautiful things of life. Mm-hmm. So if I keep my mind on those things also too, as well, you don't realize your mood gets a lot better when you focus on things that are good. Most, you may not realize why you may be depressed, but think, think about what you may be feeding yourself. If everything that you watch is about gossip and slander and bitterness and anger and sin and uh, secret societies and all this bad stuff all that Luminati. people are doing, Illuminati, the next, like, next, you know, all this different type of stuff, bro, you're going to think the world is the most atrocious place mm-hmm. because that's what you feed yourself. And I don't want to see the world in that way because. Even if it is a reality, I prefer I prefer that that reality be presented before me be, than me searching it out. And because I, I care about my own eternal peace, I do not want to be carrying realities around within myself that I can't do nothing about. I think that's the worst thing. <laughs> like, what can you do? You can just pray about it. Well, that's it. Yeah, but I ain't like I, bro. It's not like I could just get in the car and just start going save people. So for me, unless I can actually do something about it, it's no point for me to meditate on it. And I had come to find personally. There's so much goodness within God in himself mm-hmm. that, dude, that's a well that you could never stop searching down. Well, let me ask you this. What about situations like, you know, like wars and stuff? Like, how would you take it? Like, I understand that you, like it happens. You don't seek it. But like, as a believer, like, what, so would you just say you just pray about it and keep it moving? Even if it has, like, for instance, like my family, right? I'm Ethiopian. Yeah. So there's like a war going on in Ethiopia. And like a lot of my family members are like hurt by it. Yeah. Because they could lose their lives. So as a believer, I know that I can't do nothing. I can probably donate money. I can pray for them. Yeah. And I know I can't go to Ethiopia and stop it. So like yeah. for me, for instance, like what would you do if you was in my shoe? I think that as a believer, it's our obligation to do what we can. Can. Yes. If you're faced with something, do something about it. Mm-hmm. If you have the opportunity to. If you can't, pray for the people, but then go on about your life. 
but you don't want to you don't want to carry around other people's problems and you can't do nothing about it you feel me like yeah, that's true. it dude that joke would destroy you because there's too much stuff going on in the world I, man, I wish that I can just go and save the whole world and fix everything. That's Jesus. You can't. Nobody can do that. So you have to be able to process information by saying, if I'm presented with the reality, I'll try my best to do something about it if I can. I'll say something about it if I can. I'll bring light to it. If it can bring an impact or a difference, do something. Mm-hmm. But if it's not something God called you to do, or if it's not something you feel led to do, or you're not faced with that reality, then you're not really obliged to do that. You feel me? Um, I think that all of us have to realize that our reach only goes but so far. You can't do everything. So it was funny you said it because some my spiritual mind used to tell me she was like, even though Jesus died for everybody, Paul couldn't save everybody. He couldn't know. And even it's Jesus one person. couldn't save nobody. Yeah. Not not nobody, but Jesus couldn't save everybody, even though he died for the world, because he knew that certain people still reject him. Yes. And he was Christ. He was God. Exactly. Your reach can only go so far. And so it's about focusing on what you can do. And if you're doing that, I think you should be in the pretty mentally sufficient. You can hurt for people, especially when you can't help them, but focus on what you can do. Mm-hmm. This is one of the greatest ways to, to help get worry out of your heart. Like for me, especially during this season and in this time, it's very easy to worry about certain stuff. Right. But then, when I focus on what I could do and the authority or power that I did have and what I had access to, I said, I can't worry. I'm mm-hmm. just going to focus on what I can do. Right. If I can't, it, if I can't, if there's nothing I can do about my situation, why worry about it? You suffer two times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it's real. You, you take, suffer you twice. You carrying burdens bruh, that you can't do nothing about. Exactly. So really what you have to do is just kind of settle down and say, hey, bro, God, I leave this in your hands. Whatever you do, that's fine. I leave it in your hands. I could pray. I talk to you, but I'm not going to be walking around carrying something. I'm going to enjoy my life. And I'm not going to be carrying things around with me that I can't do nothing about. That's why Jesus says, don't worry. You can't make your hair grow. You can't do it. When he said that. Remember, he says, don't worry. Can you add a oh, height to your... Yeah. yeah. He says, can you uh, add a height to your stature? Could you make your hair grow? I didn't know he meant my hair. That's crazy. I believe he said that. I'm, I'm, I may be mis- misinterpreting that, but the idea behind it is, could you make yourself taller by worrying? Your worry doesn't fix do anything. You just torment yourself with false realities for the most part. <laughs> yeah. So you just say, hey, just focus on today and focus right. on God. Yes. Cast all your cares on him. Yeah, Leave it wrong. in his hands. Because it's funny, though, because it's like when Peter was walking on the water, the great demonstration was the moment he looked his way from Jesus, he started sinking. Yep. But if he had kept his focus on Christ, he would have never sank. So sometimes we look at the problems exactly. and the situations instead of looking at God. Exactly, bro. Exactly. That is one of you. There's so many ways to help liberate yourself from the cares of this world when you no longer care about the cares of this world. Mm. You're just like, I don't care. But you got to put it in God's hand, basically. You put everything in his hands. Leave it with him. This is what Paul says. I've learned the secret to being content in all things in every situation. I was abased and I abounded. I had great times in life and I had bad times in life. But guess what? I leave everything in God's hands. It's him who gives me strength to endure. I can't If I'm in prison, locked up in chains... What can I do to get myself out? So I'm not going to sit here and worry and cry about it. I'm going to sing praises and worship. I'm going to have a ball while I'm in this prison. You think that's what Paul did? Just worship and turn Bro, up? yes. They started worshiping and singing in the prison. They was bound hands and feet in the prison. And him, and uh, I think it was with uh, Silas, if I'm not mistaken. Nah, Peter ain't never get locked up. I'm no, it was, it was, I think it was Paul and Barnabas, I think. I think it was Barnabas. Yeah, yeah Paul and Barnabas. 
they started singing in the prison, worshiping. This is this is the the joy that we can manufacture in Christ, because see the thing is they're not singing they're not singing because things is good. I want people to understand that they're singing because they know that God is good. Mm-hmm. They know that He's in control. It's like God, wait a minute, you see me, you know I'm being unjustly locked up. You see what's going on in me, in my life. You see how people treat me, and I'm in these chains. Obviously, you have a purpose for me being here, so I'm gonna worship you. Just for the opportunity. I'm not going to be fighting and crying, angry and upset. I'm going to say, you know what, Jesus? Thank you. You remember what Peter knew when they was persecuted, right? They said that they were thankful. They rejoiced Mm. to the point that they were so thankful and glad that God had allowed them to be persecuted for the message that they was preaching. They were glad about it. This is what contentment and joy in Christ looks like. Stephen is being stoned. And he looks up into heaven and he has a smile on his face. I mean, I think anybody will, if you see Jesus on the right hand. <laughs> but see, the, the point, the moral of the story is, is that when your eyes is on Christ, you no longer focus on the rocks that people throw at you. That's good. It changes. It's a perspective change. It's funny because like, I remember all like throughout my life, bro. I, I felt like there were times where people wanted me to be depressed about stuff that I probably should have been depressed about mm-hmm. or angry about, but I chose not to be. Because I'm like, he good. <laughs> so I'm good. I don't care. If he good, I'm good. If Jesus is asleep on my boat, guess what I'm going to say? Scoot over and toss me a pillow. <laughs> I don't care what I don't care what the storm's saying. Toss me a pillow, bro. I'm about to go to sleep with you. you how gotta, how it, did you get to that moment? Because there's a lot of people who don't know how to get there. I went through one season. It took me one time. I went through one season. It was the darkest season in my life. This was in high school, so I was young. I was saved about a couple years. One, it was the darkest season of my life, bro. And, like, I, I had no control over nothing. We were, my family was isolated. We was homeless. Uh, we, we had gotten evicted. I was staying in, in places I didn't necessarily want to be at. And I was just completely isolated. And I was dealing with depression, attacked by demons day and night, all the time, Right? And I just had no energy to do anything. Bro, when I came out of that season, I said one prayer, bro, of repentance. I said, God, I just give up. I give you this there will. And foop, like a fire. This joy, light, fire, everything came flooding into my life. And it was weeks later that I realized I was going on a prayer, like fasting prayer. Nobody led me to do anything. All of this was me and the Holy Spirit. This is the first time I heard God's voice during this time. I'm talking about I heard his voice audibly. Like I heard him... my mom came in the room one time and told me to clean up the kitchen mm. and I was praying and I said, yeah, I'm going to do it when I'm done. But I really wasn't going to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, like, okay. I'm in high school and bro, I heard an audible voice like me. You talking right here said, get up, clean up the kitchen. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, all right, I went up and cleaned up the t- kitchen and he was talking to me the whole time. This is the first time, like, I started to learn what it was like to have a conversation with God. Now I know how to talk to him and hear his voice. Mm. But at the time, I didn't know what to do. I just know it was him that was initiating everything. That's good. So now I know. I talked to him all day. But at the time, I didn't know. You get him coming from? So that season shifted everything for me. And I had said something. It was a couple weeks after the fact. It was this fire just in my life. Everything in my life just changed. I said, God, if I knew 
that this is what you had in store for me the whole time. I would have never complained. If all I knew, like if I just knew that this was the end of it, I would have never complained. So I said, from this day forward, I know for a fact that all things work for my good. And that was it. It didn't matter what I went through. I may have been down sometimes. I may have struggled. Hardships, it didn't matter. I knew, oh, everything's for my good. You knew God was going to pull you through in the fourth quarter. Every time. Bro, you got to realize, he says the righteous man falls seven times, but yet he gets back up. Amen, brother. But he says God, he says that the righteous man falls seven times, but he says God saves him from all his troubles each time. So, see, we keep thinking that we're adept from falling. No, you're a human being. You will fall. But the difference between a righteous man and a non-righteous man is that right, God grabs you. He picks you up, dutch you off, and then tell you to keep moving. That's so good. A lot of times we tell ourselves that the righteous man is the reason because we get up. We no. We the fact that it's God is the one who picks us it's up. Though, it's God who does it. It's God who does it. See, righteousness is imputed. So, when he says the righteous man, he's not talking about your own goodness. Some of Christ. Yeah. He, yes. It's, it's what's imputed to you. It's crazy because impute means he's given into you. It's an insert. Yes, it's given something that you don't deserve. It's accredited to you. That's like you getting an A when you got a, nine, uh, a 44 on an exam. And they curved your scores? It. Right. Like, they yeah, curved your scores? <laughs> yeah, we're gonna, uh, you guys are in standard English. We're going to curve it by 30 points. They curve it. That's the, see, that's the power of faith. Most people don't understand that. They don't understand that faith, how it works. God, that's what the scripture says. All you need is a mustard seed of faith, right? Right. It said with a mustard seed of faith, you can move mountains. Dude, one mustard seed of faith is not enough to move a mountain in itself. The mustard seed is just enough. You know how small a mustard seed is? I think so, it's the smallest seed, right? Yes. So, but a mustard seed, for example, is $2. But let's you can say, actually buy a mustard seed? No, no. I'm giving you an example. Okay. It's $2. A rep, mustard seed will represent $2. But let's say that you need $2 million to move a mountain. A mustard seed is your entry fee. God will give the 100, 199 and 98,000 million dollars, whatever it may be. To move it. To move it, yes. And that's faith. Yes, that's faith. You give the little that you have and he uses the rest. So that's why God is like, even with your finances, money and tithing and all that, yes. just give what you can. Or yes. what's your support, like 10% and God will do the rest. Exactly. Remember what Jesus said about the lady who gave her two pennies? That's he said had, she though. gave more because she gave all she had. That's a representative of a mustard seed of faith. Let me ask you a question. Is it because her income was a little bit smaller? Because like, if you got two pennies, right? Yes. So was that considered 10% or like 100%? That's all she had. No, it's not a percentage. It's just the fact she gave all she had. She just didn't have much. She gave out of her lack all she had. So that's it. She had no money after that. She was. Yes, but God imputed it unto her as much. So in this earth, she gave two pennies. But in heaven, she gave $3 million. You get where I'm coming from? There's no dollars up there. I'm giving as an example. Example. I was about to say. God so God, so God imputed it unto her as much. This is how God sees faith. It was because of faith. It wasn't about the money. Mike. Yes, it's because the heart that she gave it in. She gave all she had. She gave it out of her lack. So see, some people are like, man, my faith is small. It's not so much that your faith is small. That may be all the faith that you have. God can do the rest with that. He can finish the other stuff. And sometimes faith needs. So do you feel like faith is something that can be grown? Like yes, faith is grown. This is what it happened to Abraham. Faith is grown through endurance. You know why? That means you got to preserve. Or it's a scripture that talks about faith is the endurance of like perseverance. Exactly. Something like this. So it's like so. It's means, actually the scripture today. Go ahead. What are you saying? Oh yeah, pull that up. We want, I want to see. I want to hear this because I remember reading it. And I was like, dang. So faith actually produces perseverance and endurance. Yep. 
So now, like, listen to this. It says, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. And endurance develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Now, I know there's another scripture, because I think it's supposed to be that one. It probably depends on the verse, but it's supposed to talk about how faith is built by endurance. It's funny you say that, man. Just hearing that, like... You know, like our hope and salvation, like for our souls, like because we have yeah. the Holy Spirit. So it's like we're good. Yes, we're gonna be out of here soon, Tim. Yes, new world. <laughs> and I'm I'm not in a hurry though because I want to enjoy all of God's creation. But it's the the thing about faith, and this is a really good topic to talk about too, as well, because right. this is the one that God has seasoned me on so much. Abraham's the way that his faith was growing day by day is because God was like He's almost like a. a He's trying to lead lead a dog to a cage. Okay. But he knows the dog is not going to follow him. So he puts down small little trees just to lead the dog along. Because he knows that certain things. Yeah, will keep the dog moving. Mm. This is endurance. See, when you're patiently waiting for something, it builds your faith. Your faith is not built when you're not waiting. If it's there, you already you got it. Yeah, you, either you already got it or you don't care to have it. So if it just pops up one day, your faith will be the same as it was when you was waiting the first day, it's like you signing to like getting like fighting through to make it to the NFL. Like exactly, yes. Time, like, all right, exactly. See the faith that the reason why your faith is built is because you don't know. So Abraham, for example, let me show you how his faith is built. God told Abraham, he came to him and told him, you're going to have a son. Abraham actually approached him. He said, God, I have all of this stuff and these promises, but I need a child to get this stuff too. Mm. So mind you, God already had it in plan. God's uh, Abraham's mind to give him a child. He wanted to do this, but he was waiting until Abraham asked him. So, so a lot of things we just have to ask God. Yes, he but he knows it. that you need it and that you want it. So, but he's waiting for you to get to the point to ask him. Because mind you, he already had planned to make Abraham a father of many nations. But why didn't he come to Abraham when Abraham was forty and say, yeah, "I'm gonna give you a son"? Abraham got to a point where he'd been living all his life. He said, "God, you gonna do all this stuff for me, but I ain't got no child." Would you want to give all my stuff to my servant? Well, let me ask you a question. Do you think he waited so Abraham got to that place where he was ready to have that? Exactly. Because, see, faith is only, you're able only able to endure in faith when the desire is strong. So Abraham's desire got to a point he was 80-something years old, and he knew he was going to die soon. He said, I need a son to give all my stuff to. It was only at that point to where Abraham could have truly endured. Okay. So God waited until his, like his uh, desire was strong. Abraham didn't desire a child when he was 20, when he was 40, because Sarah was barren. Mm. So he never thought about it like his. He thought about it, but his mind wasn't. He didn't go ask God when he was 20, 40 years old. Give me a child. He waited till he was 80. So God waited until his desire was at a certain point to where I'm going to take Abraham on a journey. But at this point, he can endure it because his desire is strong, which means he wants to see it come to pass. Mm. If I had did this when he was 40 years old, after about two years, he would have gave up and say, bro, you can keep the baby. I'm good. <laughs> Cause you done. That's crazy. Cause it talks about like, even the story of Moses, like how he was 40 years. Like it, it was the, the timing. It's funny. Cause like faith and timing has a, correlation. it has a correlation. So like, for example, the way that Abraham's faith was at this point, cause he was getting of old age and things was like at the point where they, they, they were impossible for them to do in the natural. Once God gave him the decree, guess what he started doing? Him and his wife would consummate to have a baby. They was doing this often. Most people think he was just lingering around. No, no. Every time he consummated with his wife, he would wait and he'll watch. He says, that baby about to pop up today because God didn't give him a time. God just told him, I'm going to give you a seed. He was just like, turn up. 
So to him, Abraham thought it was going to happen the first time. Then he realized, okay, it's going to happen the second. And then after the 50th time, he's like, man, you know, baby, popular. after about a couple years, then Sarah was the one who got tired. She said, you old, bro. You ain't hitting it right. <laughs> nah, come on, bro. You can't be talking like that. <laughs> you can't be talking like that, bro. <laughs> I, I was correct. I'm sorry, y'all. No, no, you good, bro. <laughs> but no. He, they old, bro. They old, you know, powder flying everywhere. <laughs> so, you know, it's interesting because she was the one who said, okay, I'll give you my servant Hagar. So Abraham thought that this was the promise because a child came and it was from his offspring. They didn't know it was going to be through Sarah at the time. They just knew that God was going to give it. It's funny how they tried to do a shortcut on God. It wasn't a shortcut. They okay. just, they, cause God didn't tell them that it would be through Sarah. That's not true. So all it needed to be was Abraham's son. That was it. That was what God told him. He said, I'm going to give you a seed. He never said Sarah was going to come through Sarah. Mm. So when she got to a point, it means that they was consistently trying to obtain what God had promised them. They got to a point where they just got fatigued and says, just take my servant and I'll call the child. Like it'll be your son. And because it's your son, he's the promised seed. How do you think Ishmael fell, man? I know I'd have been hot. Like, bruh. I mean, because Ishmael was raised thinking that he was a promise seed. So when God came to Abraham and told him this time next year, I'm going to give Sarah a child and the promise seed is going to come through her. Abraham was confused because this whole time he thought he had it. He was like, bro, he said, no, he didn't say this again, bro. But I'm saying (laughs) (laughs) he was like, he was like, why don't you use Ishmael? He been with me this whole time. He my son. Why not use him? He said, no, I'm using Sarah to get a promise seed. So he was going to open up her womb. But -hmm. Abraham didn't know this. See, he didn't know how or when God was going to do what he was going to do, but he knew that God was going to do it. Mm -hmm. So that's why every year he was consistently waiting, chasing, persevering for God's promises. That's good. But because of this, it grew his his faith. It's like like you lift weights. I know the ultimate one was trying to kill Isaac. When he was trying to kill Isaac, yeah, he was about to say it was a him. test. It was a test of his faith. That and, was all faith, bro. Because a lot yes. of fathers right now would fail at that. Yes, like like us as believers. Like I don't think I remember talking to my dad. He was like, "If God told me to sacrifice you, he was like, I can't even do it." And I was like, "I don't blame you." The reason why Abraham passed this test because he knew that God was Almighty. I'm gonna give you an example. The scripture says that Abraham knew that God would raise Isaac from the dead, but yet really? Abraham had never seen anybody raised from the dead. He didn't even know it was was possible. This is mentioned in the New Testament. Wow. Let's talk about Abraham's faith. He said that Abraham went through it because he knew, okay, God's promises has to come to pass. Like he can't lie. So he's he's telling the truth. So if he tells me to go offer up my son, I'm offering my son because he's just going to raise him from the dead. But he had never seen anybody raised from the dead. But he had faith he would. But he had faith that he would because God was faithful. So God was testing his faith to see do you believe that my promise will still come to pass even if I told you to sacrifice it? That's and Abraham true. said, yes, I believe you because you're God. You can't lie. So why would you tell me to give up something and, and yet you told me that this is supposed to be mine and you gave it to me? The thing that also built this faith is because he endured years and years to obtain it, waiting for it. If you see your wife's womb miraculously open at 90 years old and y'all been trying this whole time, God tells you a year from now, her womb is going to open. And a year from now, the womb actually opens. Do you really believe that God can't do more than that? That's real. So he, he had see, no so, doubt. And it's funny, though, because I like how you're like you're able to break scriptures down. Because like, sometimes you hear that. Yeah. But because people don't understand like the revelation or like how to break scriptures down, sometimes it can be confusing. So yes. you see how you word it. When people listen to it, they're like, ah, uh, uh, it's like the dots are going to connect. The light bulb is going to Yes. 
so ahead. I'm sorry. I no, no, you that. no, you spot on, bro. And that's the that's the reason why God, when it comes to you, think that God is about more about the blessing with Him. Is it's more He's care more about the journey. I had one dream to where um, these angels they was like transport me to a certain location. There were certain things I was praying for. How many angels do you got? One, two, three. Bro, I don't even, first of all, I don't know anything about that. I don't think about it because a lot of this stuff you see in part, know in part. So I'm like a baby when it comes to those things. I just I'll know whatever. My angel if I see him. Like, what's good, cuz? I just know whatever God reveals to me. I don't know what the, the person is. The, I mean, I try not to go into those things. If he showed me something, that's it. But sure. it, it was in one dream, like they were showing me, like we was being transported through certain places and stuff like that. And I had sat down with one of them and they showed me what my. Like they showed me how much like of God's word and nature was inside of me. And it wasn't that much, but it was a good amount. But they said, we need you to look like this God. And they showed me like this huge board with all of this, like, like it was like a labyrinth and it had all of these marbles and stuff in it, but it represented like God's knowledge, his character, his wisdom. And they said that this is what you wanted to look like. It, they were trying to stretch me to uh, accompany or take in more of his, his nature and stuff. So this was early, a little bit more earlier in my journey, but I'm like, dang, bro, like, That's I got more stuff to go through. <laughs> <laughs> hard, this, this is what I'm thinking. I'm like, bro, I got more stuff to go through. But it was funny because I had asked him. I was like, man, I've been praying for certain breakthroughs and stuff like that. I mean, like, y'all go sit in the come to pass. It's like, dude, don't worry about that. He got you. It's done. They said this should be your focus. And I, at the time, at the time, <laughs> you good, bro? At the time, I was a little kind of you know, thrown off by it, but I'm like, you know, I ain't got no choice but to endure. It wasn't until, I think it was a couple of days ago, I was walking, just praying with the Lord, and I said, God, I just started crying, bro. I said, thank you so much for allowing me to focus more on the journey than the blessing. Like, the journey has been so beautiful. Mm-hmm. The afflictions, the pain, the whole, everything about it has been beautiful. Like the fact that something bad would happen or something that's not unconventional would happen, but yet he would flip it and use it for my good. Mm-hmm. In the day, in the moment, this just kept happening. And I was like, ah, I said, thank you. Like, I can't believe that you really have just, and that's the thing that God was helping me to realize that he cares more about a journey. He sends you down the faith road because he wants to journey out of you. Mm-hmm. He wants to journey. He's trying to squeeze himself, his nature inside of you. So he allows hardships and difficulties and pain and isolation, all different types of stuff in order to do that. So it was the same thing with Abraham. He wanted journey. He wanted the Abraham. He wanted to journey with Abraham. It's crazy, man. Cause now like when you hear stories like this, and like it's like it's funny because like I feel like God allows all these special characters in the Bible to live or leave a specific message of what God's trying to get, so yes. we can like replicate that. Like Abraham, like for your instance, like God is using it as a way of us to generally have faith in Jesus, mm. or just situations that we're asking for. And like, you know, it's just funny that because it's like, like even with Job, like I don't think nobody's gonna have another story like Job because Job was for that purpose, so we can learn from Job in situations. Yep. Um, I, I honestly, I, I think we talked about how like for Job, the issue was he had self-righteousness. Yes. And yes. So, like maybe that could be a story for somebody with that or who's ever going through a season where it feels like they're lost everything. Like that story is for God to show through other people, you know? Yes. So I'm starting to see that now, even when you're like explaining like, okay, God, these characters are actually for our good. 
He's, he's fake, and that's a bro. That is a really great point. That's the reason why you should never under you should never underestimate trials. Mm. None of it is arbitrary. None of it. I'm your, sure he's based. I keep saying it's random. It? Randomness, chance. Okay. As a Christian, your mistakes and your trials are for your good. That did it teach you something about God? And he he allowed me to see this, and I said because I would like, for example, I would have to go through certain spiritual tests, right? Yeah. I would fail the test. Like I would feel miserably. I wouldn't respond the right way. Who has not Me. Yes, but I, I'm talking about like in the actual spirit. Like I would be oh. going through certain tests, and I wouldn't. Like, there's no way you can force yourself to pass. Like whatever's in your heart, that's how you react. So he he's trying to teach you to change your heart, right? So this will happen, and then I realize like ah, I have to change this about myself. Mm-hmm. But he would start teaching me the proper way to respond. And after he says, "This is the parts that you feel that you should do this better." Mm-hmm. Get this in your heart. Get this in your heart. Get this in yourself. So love more. Be more kind. Be more gentle. Or be patient. Or be compassionate. Be understanding. So it was like my failures was there to teach me something about him. Mm-hmm. They weren't just failures. He wasn't like, I I, you, I never got up from something to say, like God said, you just failed at that. You need to get yourself together. Mm-hmm. He was like, no, no, I showed you that about yourself so that you can change. Uh, there's certain things about you I want you to transform. You see? That's, That's how good. he walks with us. It's a, it's funny because I, I posted about this recently, but bro, I've been waiting to talk about this one part. Now, this is very funny. Oh, yeah, let it rip. <laughs> bro, this is funny, bro. I was, uh, when I was, uh, praying, um, I was, I was, I was at my desk praying one day and I said, God, um, I was like, you know, like wh- what word do you have for me this morning? Like, I want to know what it's like to, to walk with you you know, much more deeply. Mm-hmm. And the Lord told me, he said, look up Carlos Espinosa. I'm like, who is that? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a drug dealer or something. That sounded like a drug dealer name, bro. Carlos. It sounded like a drug dealer name. I had never heard of this person before. I don't even know who he is. He's not even famous. Mm. I, look, I look up Carlos Espinosa, right? And I see, oh, this dude's a very popular Argentina tango dancer. So God says, okay, watch these videos. I say, I saw, so I watched one of the videos and I saw how he was dancing with the lady mm-hmm. and it wasn't his wife or anything. It was just a random lady in the crowd. He was doing the, the tango dance with these dancers are very creative and intricate. Mm-hmm. When I was watching this, he said that this is what relationship with me is supposed to look like. He said, it's a dance, a tango dance between two people. He said, if you watch the woman, when I was watching this dance, he was pointing out stuff to me. You watch the woman. Her face was pressed up against the man's face. She was looking at him. She wasn't looking at the ground, nothing. She looked only at him. But the man was looking at the ground and looking around. And he was leading and guiding and directing her through all of the movements. But so she was powerful. following along with him. But it looked like they had practiced this together a thousand times because they was moving so, so swiftly together. But she was a random person in the crowd. Her strength was in how f- closely she can follow his movements. So when he pulled this way, she's supposed to exaggerate it. When she pulled this way, he's supposed to, she's supposed to exaggerate it. And he, when, the way he was showing it to me was that when you look up the definition of tango, it's talk, he told me to look up who leads. The man is the one who leads because he has the strength. Mm-hmm. And he, he usually has the more skill in that area. But he's the one that's leading and guiding and twisting and turning, right? But a man in tango would flip his arm, but the woman do like three full spins, she exaggerates the subtleties of what he do to make it look more beautiful. Mm-hmm. So the people are looking at her. She's the scene. She's the sight. 
She's the one that everybody, her her dress is flaring all over the place. People's like, oh, this is so elegant. It's so beautiful. She's flying through the air, doing all this different type of stuff. But it's the man who's leading, who's guiding, who's directing, who's pushing, who's pulling through his strength and also through his gentleness and subtlety. Mm -hmm. And she's following along with him and swaving and moving with him. God says that this is what relationship with him looks like. That's good. See, people see you. They see you, but they don't see who you're dancing with. So they see the lady, but they don't know who's dancing. They, exactly. Yeah, they don't pay attention to the man. They pay attention to the woman. And it's funny because how you said that, like, the, the lady looks at the guys like us looking at Jesus. Yes, exactly. Like, trusting that he'll shift, that our body will shift too. Yes. So we think that God is walking a straight road with us. No, it's a dance floor. He wants you to follow his movements without explanation. Do you see a woman in the middle of a tango dance like, wait a minute, why are you going that way? Let's go this way. She's trying to push the man and push him this way. No. So really just like clinging on and just going for the ride. Yes. And she has to be very light on her feet, too. Some like, that's the, I know that's like, you can teach me something. Because sometimes I go, no, I, I try to be starting. Try to plant your feet like, right. nah, I ain't moving. We ain't moving. I ain't going to Africa. Yes. See, the thing <laughs> is, is that she, she utterly trusts his ability. She's trusting in the God's ability to lead and to God and to move and to shake. You get me? So she's exaggerating everything that he does subtly. Mm -hmm. She exaggerates it. So he lifts his hand down. She dilts her head all the way back. And then she lifts her leg up. And she does like all of these different moves and stuff. But she's exaggerating what he does. This is what Jesus meant when he says, go to the mountaintops and preach what I tell you in secret. They're exaggerating. Or they're maximizing what Jesus gives them in subtlety. So Jesus gives them the seed, but they're preaching from the place of a tree. And people are eating the fruit of that tree. This is what the disciples was doing. So Jesus would give them something small. Yes. And they would expand on it. They would expand on it, grow it, maximize it. So give me an example. for the Like, like an example, like Jesus would give a seed. In other words, remember when Jesus used the analogy, he says the kingdom of heaven is like a man who comes to a field to plant a seed. Mm -hmm. He says, but because the soil isn't good, it may be rocky. The enemy comes and takes the seed. It was four people. Yeah, the enemy comes and takes the seed. Yeah. But these are examples. God, because his wisdom and everything about him is so great and grand, he can only, he gets stuff inside of you in the form of a seed. Mm -hmm. It's one seed. But that seed can take 40, 50 years for it to fully hash out. Remember the prophets, it says that the they touched, uh, I think it was Isaiah. They took a coal off the altar and they touched it on his lips. And oh, they man, put the I'm word good. of the Lord in his mouth. Mm -hmm. That was one event. But this man was preaching that message and it was hashing itself out for 40, it was hashing itself out for years and years. He was unfolding upon that one seed that was planted. So this is what happens. The kingdom of heaven, when it comes in the heart, it comes in as a seed. It's very small. But then it's watered and it's grown into this big tree. Mm -hmm. And that tree starts to produce fruit and water and all this different type of stuff. So just to give you an example, God will give a person a revelation of faith, mm -hmm. a foundation. He may want them to teach about faith, right? But in the first couple months of them learning about faith, it's not the full revelation of it. But look at them 20, 30 years down the line. They're not preaching a new message. They're now they're laying out the message that they got from 30, 40 years ago. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's the same message, but that seed has now grown into a tree. This is how God gives gifts. This is how he gives talents. You have to grow into them. They don't just show up on the surface in one day. You heard that, folks? <laughs> that was that was. Uh, I don't even know what to say after that one. Everything comes as a seed because you can't handle 
if you try to take on a full revelation from God, you, you will break. Yeah, you can't handle that. So he puts it in the seed. You grow along with it. It's funny because it's like like what I had told you last time. It's like, how do you expect to learn long division, multiplication if you don't know how to add it? Exactly. You'll be like, bro, what is it? What are we doing? It's a foundation to be yeah. built upon. Remember what Jesus said? He said that um, when he was talking to Nicodemus, Nicodemus could not understand how a man could be born again. He said, does he go back in his mother's womb? And then Jesus says, if you can't, if you don't know earthly things, how can I, I teach you heavenly stuff? That's one of my favorite passages. So the idea behind it is that that person needed a foundation to be built upon before they can get a certain type of spiritual, revelation. Yeah. yeah, spiritual revelation. So don't chase the end of anything. Get the foundation first. And God's foundation, more than likely, well, is always about your character. It's not about knowledge. Mm-hmm. So he says, fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. wisdom. Come on, brother. So it's about, it's the foundation. He wants to teach you love and compassion. Like I know before he started teaching me how to walk in a prophetic, he had to teach me how to love people first. Because could you imagine me seeing into people's life and their business and then I don't have love in my heart? Bro, I would be destroying people, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Now, it's funny, though, because, like, if you look at the scriptures, like, it even tells you, like, when it comes to, like, prophetically. Yes. Like, it's there to build up the church and encourage people. It's to edify them. Yes. And if it's, like, completely the opposite, then it's not really prophetically. Like, you're actually tearing them down. Yes, it is prophetic, but it's usually, it's misusing the gift. Misusing the gift of God, So, God has to first give you love, right, before he tries it. So, when I was, when he was teaching me how to operate in the prophetic and how to walk in all of those things, he the first give me the foundation of love. I had to learn what it was like to love people mm-hmm. before I could see into people's life. And then he would start showing me into that stuff, whatever I could handle. Right. In the sense of doing that, I could see certain things and see certain stuff. And there's a lot of stuff I don't care to see or don't want to see. But even in that, I knew how to love the person through it or not treat them a certain way or to not judge them about it. Mm-hmm. It's like I could see it and I like just pray for them or love on them or I realize oh, it's just temporary. They get over that. Yeah. You get them coming from. So that's how it operates. God doesn't just give you a gift. He gives a foundation first so that you don't misuse or misabuse it. No, that's good. That's yes. Good. Dang. Yeah. So that's the beauty. Cause you, you gotta realize, think about Jesus when he was with his disciples, they didn't, they didn't know that Jesus knew stuff about them. Right. I mean, until he revealed to Peter when he said to him, um, you go deny me three times. But he said it so Peter could know it. But other than that, they didn't know certain stuff that he knew about them. I mean, I feel like the reason for that is just like it wasn't a time because like he yes. knew certain people knew that he was actually God. They won't crucify him. Yeah. And so like, a lot of it, the stuff is withheld. But Jesus had true love. He was humble. He was meek. So he was able to handle the information. And he didn't see the problems as a threat to himself because he realized that they all humans. Yeah. <laughs> You feel me? It's, it's crazy, bro, because like when you actually really see, because that's what the Lord had revealed to me. Like, yeah, like things that He did. There's a reason why He like because Jesus could have been in there doing miracles, and everybody would have believed. Like, the, exactly. But it's like He didn't. It's just like I get why. Like, because if you find that He was really God, you're not crucifying Him. You won't. You're yes. not doing it. Like, I don't care if you tell me. Like, like you would have to. Like, I get it. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because like, yes. So it's just like it's just funny, like how you saying stuff like, and like even with revelation that I have, like how God does certain things specifically. For a purpose, and he doesn't tell everybody everything because he could either destroy the plan, yes, or they're like it's 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 he's very what's the word peculiar in how he does things. Yes, boy, you preaching, bro. You know what I'm saying? Peculiar. Yes. How, I like how I say peculiar. 
<laughs> you preach it, bro. Like you, baby. Now you preach <laughs> you it. You know how we do? Bam, baby, bird. <laughs> you preach it, bro. No, you you're actually very right. Um, he, he he purposely sometimes blinds people to allow them to live out what they're gonna do. Like Judas, for example, Satan entered into Judas when Jesus handed him the bread. When was that time? Yeah, but it was at a specific time. But Jesus told Satan, he said, go and do what you plan to do. So Judas had to be blinded. Judas already wanted to do that. But God allowed an evil spirit, which is Satan, to blind him, to push him into doing it. Mm-hmm. Afterward, he regretted it. But it was already too late. And that's when he ended up killing himself. It's funny because if Judas had repented, he probably would have been good. Yeah, probably so. But he, he already had betrayal in his heart from the beginning. That's why the Bible called him the son of perdition. It's sad to even think about. I don't even want to like think about their reality because it just sucks. But just to think that, you know, a person is, I I just, I don't want to think about his fate because it's just sad. You feel me? What does son of perdition mean? I don't know. I guess it's just a person that's like bound for destruction or they are uh, headed towards destruction. I don't fully know the full meaning, but the idea behind it is that his heart and his intentions was probably never pure with Christ, but that's why God allowed him in the fold um, to use for the purpose to use for the purpose of betrayal. He, dude, and I'm gonna say, we're gonna start wrapping it up. So God, I don't know how much how long we've been up here, but um, stuff is getting too good. Now we get on some stuff, but yeah. believers have to understand something before God ever transitions you. He has to build enemies up. He doesn't just put you into hardships. Right. Mm-hmm. He has to uh, build. Uh, you good? Oh, OK, OK. I say he has to build enemies up. Mm-hmm. He has to build up um, um, an, an entourage, an audience. So Judas was necessary. And mm-hmm. people like David, for example, before David took the throne, David had a lot of enemies. Saul was trying to kill him. That's true. David's job was just to respond the right way. That was it. Walking, walking love, walking compassion. So he knew, David knew, he said, my enemies, they are destroying me. They're destroying my reputation, my character. They're trying to kill me day and night. But God, I know that what you're with me. I know what you promised me. All this type of stuff, but he needed those enemies. Because one thing you have to understand is, is that there's two reasons why God does this. The one purpose of your enemies when you're transitioning into purpose is to let you know certain people are not meant to go with you. They can't handle you with what they've even heard about you. They don't even know it to be true. They mm-hmm. just still can't handle it. <laughs> they don't even know it to be true. They don't ask for nothing, but they can't handle it. Do you really want those people rolling with you to where they take on certain realities of what other people say to them or mention them and they automatically trying to kill you too? No, you don't want those you people want in your people. squad. You feel me? You so want, You want people that's going to support you, encourage you. Yes. So God, God allows... He allows cer- certain situations to expose certain things about the people that's around you. They may not be genuine. It's not their fault. Those people are not acting maliciously. Mm-hmm. They're not acting maliciously. They're doing it to protect themselves. And they're also doing it because they feel like it's the right thing to do. To them, it's good to isolate from somebody who's evil. So there were people who were seeking to kill David all because Saul said that David needed to die. <laughs> do you feel like the reason for that was just because they... Because they held Saul to a high reverence. They didn't hold Saul to a high reverence because they even had an argument in the in the uh, in the uh, round table one time because David didn't show up. And it was like the meeting of like the king's men. And they were all most of them was in there defending David. Mm. 
But I'm talking about like the other people who just kind of take the commands and stuff like that. Yeah. They knew David. They was like, David need to die because Saul said it. They didn't know a reason or nothing. They just did it. They just was trying to kill David. But they didn't understand that God purposely allowed this. He allows it purposely. For the greater good. Yes. Remember what David said. That's what Psalms 23 is about. He says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. His enemies was Israel, his own people. So when he came and took the kingdom back, when he told Saul, remember, he could have killed Saul. He cut a piece of his garment off. Mm -hmm. And he was about to actually kill Saul, but he cut a piece of his garment off and the Holy Spirit stopped him from doing it. Because even in Saul's case, and people have to understand this, it doesn't matter what you what you see here about people. You never like attack or touch people that God has anointed. Just don't do it. Because you, you make yourself an enemy against God. Mm. And David knew this. So he knew Saul was rejected as king. He knew Saul was evil and Saul was killing him. He, but his mindset was, nobody is going to attack him, not even me, because I have a reverence for God. God did something in his life. Do you feel like even now as believers, like, it still stands? Like, if you mess yes, with Yes, don't do that. It's not wise. <laughs> Dang. Like, it's not like wise. You don't realize it, but you bring, you bring judgment on yourself. It's just not wise. God will always humble a person who does stuff like that. So we good. We protected. Yeah, but I do. There's times where God will reproach and judge me because of how I spoke about other believers, whether they was right, wrong, or indifferent. And He taught me not to do that. Are you so, serious? Yes, yes. I said I'm not doing that no more. So like because they're not perfect, but yet they still has His Spirit. So I'm attacking them. I'm attacking the Spirit that's in them, not just them. So what do you do in that situation? You just like even if you disagree with some individual, you can no, no. You can disagree with people. Don't attack people. Attack them in what we're like saying, oh, they trash or stuff like that. Yes, attacking people, attacking their reputation. The scripture talks about people who slander, gossip, uh, spreading discord amongst brethren, separating close friends. Don't do that. You, bro, you don't realize it. But first of all, that's the work. Demons do that stuff. That's their work. That's like the work of demons. They love causing discord. But you don't do that in the body of Christ because a house divided against itself cannot stand. And some people don't realize it. But busy bodiness, you're destroying God's work. You're destroying people that he's built up, but you're destroying it under the gods that they need to be perfect. And you're not. <laughs> now, that's even for me to like work on, you know? Yeah, don't like, do it. It'll, bro, I don't care if it's a if it's a pastor or a preacher, you call him a false preacher, right? Which this happens often. Don't do it. Preach about even if you feel like you can talk about the gospel, disagree with the gospel, but there are the way that they preach, whatever it may be. But there's certain things that there are certain reasons why God may have them in that place. Mm -hmm. I remember one time I was sitting in the living room and this is when uh, Joe Biden was becoming president. I'm not really I'm not a Republican or Democrat, but I don't care who's in office. But I was wondering, I'm like, you know, I don't really I didn't know if I felt safe having him as a president, but I ain't know about Trump neither. So I was kind of like kind of dogging it out. I'm like, man, I think this guy is and he died and he might not be able to do this. And my mind at this time was a little different. And God said, stop. He says, you don't know my plans. And I said, OK. <laughs> and That's it made true. me realize I'm, like, I, I'm going to chill out with that. Yeah. No more. There's none of that attacking people, going against people. I, I can speak about theology. I can speak about disagreements. But people know I'm not going to attack people. So like just like. Agree to disagree. If there's certain things you don't agree with, like hey, this is what I feel. Man, y'all can have discussions. Yeah, you just don't don't like don't basically hurt them. Basically, arson. yes, you don't attack people though, and you because spiritually you don't realize it, but God could be using them for a specific task, mm -hmm. even if they themselves isn't all all the way right. He may be using it for something specific that He wants to do. 
But if you attacked him and you cast him down, you're attacking also the plans that God has for them. And you don't know it. So you don't realize you're speaking in ignorance. You feel me? And a lot of times people speak about stuff they don't even know about. <laughs> it's funny because, like, I know situations where, like, where people got hurt. Yeah. And, like, they were believers and they were believers and they spoke bad and they spoke bad about each other. About yeah. Things they went through. And so it's like, we just basically playing around with God. Like, God looking at both of us like, oh, dang. Like, I'm getting you and I'm getting you and I'm getting you. I'm chastising all five of y'all. I don't think he views it that way because he doesn't take the light in chastising, but he does use it as an opportunity to humble us. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest ways that God humbles people, and this will really humble you. And I saw this one time. He allowed me to experience this um, in a dream. One of the biggest ways he humbles you is allowing people to deliver you that you chastise or that you spoke against. The very people that you like dogged out, he will send a word through them in season where you need it. Or he'll send a blessing through them when you need it the most. And you dog those people out. But yet they got to be the ones to come pray for you for healing. <laughs> <laughs> you. Oh, that, man, get it over with. He does this to humble you, though. Yeah. Because you, you, it, he's pretty much trying to tell you, don't speak so quickly about stuff you don't know. So it's just best to keep quiet. I mean, doesn't the Bible talk in the Old Testament like a smart man doesn't speak a lot? He yes, just, he w- listens. Yes, wisdom and prudence. You're not, you're not going around attacking everything and everybody, especially off of hearsay and she, she and hearsay and he, hearsay, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. You don't do that. You use wisdom. Ask God. Leave it in His hands. Bro, I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't care to know people's business. Yeah. I had I came to this point like I you know I've had people that around me that go through things in life it's just the reality of it, Bruh, If we talking on the phone if I talk to you I want to know how you doing, I don't care about your business your life your issues nothing I don't even care if I heard anything about it they ain't got mm-hmm. nothing to do with me, if you want to talk about it let's talk. But if that's it, let me just see how you doing. But if you don't want to talk about that, bro, I'm not going to be bringing it up and snipping for information. And like, man, what you such and such and this and that and all this, is this okay and all that? No, bro. You ain't talked to me in a whole year. And you hear something and then you call me up. <laughs> <laughs> bro, you heard what happened? Bro, you heard, man, such and such. <laughs> heard did this to me. I'm like, bro, you ain't even tell me ba- happy birthday last year, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with the beginning. Bro, this I not even a mush. Yeah, bro, back on for it. real, that's busy. That's busy bodiness, bro. Don't even don't do it. <laughs> oh my goodness, don't nah, do it, bro. It's busy bodiness. I, I say this, like even for me, like that's something that I feel like I need to work on. Like I don't throw people down. Like everybody knows, like I encourage people and stuff. Yeah. But there'd be times where there'd be disagreements. I'm like, I, I'm even re- repenting in my mind right now. Like, Lord, forgive me if I ever done that or like hurt or say something because I didn't like the way a believer, you know, what I'm saying handle the situation so like even yes. for me like that's something that i'm getting reproof from the reason like, no that's good though yeah that's a that's a very humble place to be at because the reason why we attack other christians is from a place of pride oh, non-believers hurt ain't hurt because yeah. i've been hurt yeah with a believer and at a, at a at like this is being genuine honest because like i want this podcast to be honest you know yeah be frank you know what i'm saying like i remember one time i was hurt yeah and these are people that i was cool with like i'm just talking generalized yeah and i, and I went back and i said some things about them like I mean, to an extent, yes, there's truth to it. Yeah. But, I mean, obviously, I could have went another route. Yeah. And been yep. more respectful, humble about it. Like, like and, but I couldn't do it. At the time, my flesh was fired up. I like, bro, you just he turned me up. He was angry. I was pissed. Yeah. Oh, man, yeah. I was past that. And I said some things that was, like, negative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just like, man, it's, when you look down a year, like, a year from now, you're just like, man, was it even worth it? Mm. Like, we cool. You know, we dash it out. We hold wow. it out. But it's just like, you know, wow. maybe in that season, we both could have got humbled, mm. whoever the individual was. Yes. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, just hearing that was like, 
even if they hurt you, like it does suck because we're humans at the end of the day. Like we have yes. flesh, we have emotion, and it sucks. Yes. And I, I think that's one thing I'm still asking God for grace, and it's like, yo, if ever the situation ever did happen to occur, when my business was out and it was like, how do you know? Say, God help me, like keep my mouth shut. Yes. Even if I disagree or like I'm mad about a situation, like help yeah. me. Because I know. <laughs> yes. You know what I'm saying? Good. Like it's just I get it. I understand why people. The but church I'm t- hurt. You know? I'm telling you, you know, it, it is real, and it does cause a little hurt, a lot of hurt, but you you don't you don't realize that you cause a lot of destruction in that path because there are relationships that are destroyed. And let's say two people were to console or things was to go back right or things get together and y'all cool. Think about all of the damage that it caused along the way. It wasn't worth it. And but the thing is that people don't know better when these things is happening. So God is graceful in that sense, but he wants us to use wisdom that we don't use what we have to destroy other people ever pray for people pray for those who spitefully misuse you pray for those who hurt you jesus when he was on the cross he prayed for people who crucified him he prayed for them they felt very justified in their actions and from their perspective it was but jesus prayed for them he said god they don't know what they're doing forgive them show them grace and mercy so as a believer our approach has to be the same way we don't we don't do evil for evil (laughs) You, good yeah, evil. you repay good with evil. When people do you evil, pray for them. Bless them. Don't curse them. Don't be throwing them in the dirt, throwing them in the mud. Say, you evil bigger than you such as that. Nah, bro. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I mean, it's just, it was just good that you said it because that even like, really, that's one thing I really need to, you yeah. know what I'm saying, work on. I think we all can get better at it, to be honest yeah. with you. Like, anytime I kind of find myself getting to that point where I feel like, like, but you know, it's this yeah. month. I mean, to cut you off, but it's no, like, go ahead, go ahead. you know, it's like it's like when you get hurt in the situation. Like, I feel like the enemy does a lot of having. It's because like you're at your vulnerable state. Like you've been hurt, and you're just so angry, and so it's just like yes. you know, I I seen flaws in you. Yeah. You pulling out the flaws on me, but exactly. I, I know what you, you know. What I'm saying like this thing I don't like about you. This is the thing I don't like about you, and you're just doing it out of impulse, spite, yep. spite. You know yep. what I'm saying? Because it's gonna be bad. I'm saying yeah. Tupac said it the best. You know, revenge. Is is it feels good like yeah like, and and it sucks because about believers we're supposed to encourage our brothers just mm. being honest and it's just like this is I'm glad you said it because like even for me like I can't always revenge ain't the way no it's it not. ain't the way you know as believers we're supposed to do it so it's like it's funny because that's what the Bible says that anger allows a foothold for the devil mm. most people don't understand this but anger and bitterness can take something that's small or subtle and Satan will put so much stuff in your mind to explode it to make it something it's not. That's exactly how you do it. He, he makes it, he can create, you don't realize, I went through this before, to where the enemy was allowed to create realities in my mind that didn't exist. I was so convinced of these realities. That's that, exactly what happened to me, bro. Exactly. I was, I was so convinced of these realities that I, like, it, it, I was having panic attacks, anxiety, I mean, different type of stuff. And I didn't understand, but God later on revealed to me what was happening. It was shortly afterwards. He, I, I was brought back to my right mind. He allowed me to see what was happening, but I saw the propensity of a false reality to be built off of a foundation of a lie. All it took was one seed of a lie and that seed can be inflated into a reality that didn't exist, but you become so convinced of it that even when you think about it, your heart start palpitating. You start getting anxious and depressed and angry and mad and you start like cussing people and going off different type of stuff over something that was false false information this is how satan attacks people he's a liar and a deceiver <laughs> that's not so 
he's he and you experienced this before because we spoke about this in brief. That's what I'm saying. Like this yeah. why it's like even now when you explain this, it's like dang, I got played by the enemy. Exactly. <laughs> now in your situation, you were seeing you were seeing on the spiritual side like this stuff that was happening, like these realities. Not everybody sees that. Some people it's happening to them, but they don't know it. Mm. Because you don't know if you're deceived. How could a deceived person know that they're deceived? They're not deceived anymore. That's true. <laughs> you're right. No, no. How can you? You nah, can't for know. Real, for real. So the enemy uses the foundation of anger and bitterness to build lies. And then the the lies is what really. Yes, you could be convinced man. of a re, you could be convinced of a reality when the heart is open in the wrong way. It's funny because it's like you know you get church hurt, but nobody talk about work hurt. Yeah, <laughs> work hurt. <laughs> You know, it's funny because when it talks about people who will be led away captive, yeah, uh, off of uh, for by seducing or deceitful spirits, it says that the main thing in the passage is that they were offended. They offense. they were offended. Yes, people who hold on to offense is the easiest to deceive. For the enemy, it's the easiest to deceive. That's so good. So when you as a believer. You have to understand that release offense, only walk in love. That's the only way you're able to see clearly. It's always a foothold. Yeah. Bro, it's a foothold, bro. Bro, offense, the enemy could convince you of anything that's believable. And a lot of times he don't even create the thoughts. I saw a vision one time where God was showing me how he attacks believers or how he attacks people, period, with like fear thoughts and lies and deception. He takes what they already have in their mind. He takes it out and then he'll put it right back in. So to you, it come in as a fresh thought. When I saw this happen, I was so shocked because I'm like, bro, there's no way that this is how it happens. I was thinking that he'd be creating these errors. No, he'd take what they already believe and then he'll take it out and then put it back in. Just to spark it back up. Yeah, just to spark it back up. So to them, it comes to them like a revelation and they'll start thinking about it. They'll get angry and mad and frustrated and sad and all this different type of stuff. Not realizing the enemy is only using their own thoughts against them. He's using their own lies and deception and thoughts and stuff like that to to attack them. You feel me? That's crazy, bro. My mind is just like, phew. Yeah. So that's why the Bible says we cast down every stronghold and every lie and thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So anything else you want to say, though? Because I, I know you got some. Some fire. But we, we definitely about to wrap it up, though, in a couple seconds. Yeah, I'm just going to say we love y'all candid conversations. Yeah, we, we uh, that's crazy because we went pretty long today. It don't seem like we was going that long. I'm telling you, bro, our conversations is just... It's full. Just, yeah, it's just always good. They full, We could bro. go another two hours and we wouldn't like, bro. Would I know, be, but that wouldn't be podcast worthy. People wouldn't be willing to hear like, that. But turn this off, man. <laughs> <laughs> they like, bro, I'm tired, bro. I'm trying to go to sleep. Mm. But I, no, um, I... I mean, I knew, do you have anything you want to say? I was going to say, encourage everybody that's listening, yo. You know, uh, continue to endure. Um, greater is coming. Don't worry. This greater is than ye, than this other world. <laughs> <laughs> I said ye instead of greater. Is you said ye. Ye. You, you talk about coming. Yahweh. <laughs> <laughs> you chill out, bro. I'm talking about Yahweh. Oh, goodness. Uh, but yeah, just stay encouraged. We're going to say that God loves you. Don't lose the hope. We out here. If you want to call us, get on the podcast. Call Tevin's number. I'm about to put it on. Nah, you better not, bro. You better not put my number out there. I don't want nobody calling me nothing. I don't want nobody. Bro, if you don't mean well, bro, and you ain't trying to, like, talk to me and see how we doing, don't call me, bro. I don't got time for no mess. (laughs) Bro, you want to hear something funny, bro? Oh, my goodness. I am so happy, like, during this time, like, God has kept people and things and information out of my life. It's been the... Bro, I have not heard, seen nothing, mm-hmm. and I'm grateful. 
I'm just keeping 100 with you. And I think that, and I'm going to close out with this, but when you're in God's hands and you put your life in his hands, he really does protect you more than anything. And the way you want to move forward in life and battle situations, disagreements, just put your trust and faith in God. Don't fight for yourself. Mm. Let him fight for you. Just lay back and chill. Jesus sleeping on the boat. The storm go on. Grab a pillow. And sleep. Lay next to him. Yeah. Bro, if he's sleep, why you still awake? On the, on the, why you on the boat yelling and screaming, bro? He's sleep. That means you good. <laughs> you know Jesus is tired. Do he's you sleeping. really think God is in heaven complaining about your situation? He's like, ah, what's going on? And All you do is just breathe. It's over. Yeah, bro. Just remember, like, if you see Jesus walking on the water, say, ah, I can do this too. I'm good. Yeah, let him try that. <laughs> Simple, but don't go out to the ocean and do this <laughs> unless you see Jesus walking on water. <laughs> and if it's today, don't do it. That ain't Jesus. <laughs> oh, oh, he mean it. Nah, I'm I'm serious, bro. There's a story that I can't laugh about this because the guy actually like passed, bro. But <laughs> why would you laugh, bro? <laughs> About to go. A guy actually did this. He took his whole congregation out to the ocean, bro. And he said, you know, he was African, so he was like, I can walk on the water. Like Jesus did. Oh my goodness. Imagine, bro. And I don't know if this story is true, but like they said this guy actually like it's sad to think about. I'm like, you know, just don't do that. But oh I'm like and I think he couldn't swim. I think that's what it was. I think he like walked out there and just drowned. I don't know what it was. Like imagine getting off the boat. But like, like oh. your whole congregation see this and nobody comes out to actually <laughs> save you, bro. <laughs> wait for him. He's gonna float. Nah, nah. It, that that was it's just a oh sad story God. though. But it's just crazy to think about. Say, hey, bro, don't be trying to walk on the water, bro. The miracle was done already. You don't need to replicate it. Bro, it's funny, bro. That's the first thing I thought of. Like somebody probably walked on it and just went down. <laughs> I pretty sure some people don't try it, bro. I I even tried. I went to the pool. It's like God, let me have faith. Anyway, well, you did this. I tried. <laughs> I thought faith could move out. That baby. boy closed his eyes. He he was breathing in chlorine, bro. <laughs> I knew. I was like, oh, maybe I have doubts. I tried. It. I was like, eh. if you say maybe, you already know you're gonna fall through. <laughs> <laughs> you was already. Now you oh, funny, bro. But hey, guys, uh, I want to encourage you guys with a word. Um, you know, seek to walk in love and everything that you do. Seek God in everything that you do, man. Don't go down those dark paths. Don't live those life that other people is living. God has a specific path and journey tailored just for you. Trust him enough to walk in that. And the Lord can give you a beautiful and a joyful life if you was to just trust him. Trust him. Uh, he has the best in store for you. So I hope you guys enjoyed. Thank you guys for tuning in to this, uh, this episode of Candid Conversations. Uh, we definitely going to be having more coming soon. And it's always a joy to talk to y'all. Deuces.